Well, let's talk some Monday morning politics now. Rob Shaw joins us now, political correspondent for Czech News. Good morning, Rob. Morning, Simi. Now, first of all, let me start by saying congratulations. You did the ride to conquer cancer. I did, yeah. That was a lot of lycra that was necessary to pull that <laughs> off, but I, I managed to do it. It was a, it was a lot of fun. Seven million dollars this year uh, for the tour to cure was raised, and uh, and yeah. But more importantly, I, I went from a non biker. A uh, guy who didn't even own a bike six months ago to a to a full fledged cyclist. So. Okay, this is why so, I'm so fascinated by this because I know this about you. I know yeah. that you went from a non biker, and this was a challenge that was just thrown down to you, and you decided, hey, why the heck not? Well, it was um, advanced education minister Selena Robinson, whose uh, cancer had come back, uh, and she. I asked if there was anything I could do, and she said, join my tour to cure team, and I said, sure, yeah, sounds good, and I didn't. I mean, I. I Googled it later and I was like, oh, that, that looks like, like what did I get myself into? Yeah. But, you know, it was, it was a nice challenge, something to do over the summer and, and got me out on a bike. And so now I'm just another cliched West Coast cyclist uh, um, out there on the roads. So, are you that guy yeah. now? I, I don't know. I think Vaughn's that guy just in general. But Vaughn uh, on a bicycle? I'm, I'm I don't think guy. so. I don't think Vaughn on a bicycle. <laughs> Uh, unless it's the stationary bicycle in his basement, that one I can see because he talks about That's that true. one. So, are you That's are true. you into biking now? Would you say this is something that is going to stay? Would you do it again? I would, yeah. But look, I don't know what biking's like in the rain, so I'm about to learn that and discover that. And I don't know how you. I mean, you need to have a different constitution to keep that going when it's cold and rainy and a whole new set of gear. So I'll see if I can see that through. I'm not sure. If I'm a fair weather biker or not, but it was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, it was good. You're right. The weather makes a huge difference. I once trained to do a marathon um, for the Arthritis Society as a fundraiser. And this is 20 years ago plus we're talking about. But I trained in the winter months. So I trained like September, October, November to do the Honolulu Marathon in December. And oh. you know what? All the people that I trained with, like we all had issues because we had trained in this cold, cold weather and then obviously it was not cold when we did the marathon, and it was it was so much harder. Did you get hooked on marathons no. after that? No, okay. no, no, Rob, no, no. <laughs> that was a one and done. Oh, when people talk about it, I go, I've done one of those, and I had no desire to do one ever again. Yeah, I checked it off the bucket list. list. Yeah, that's yeah. right, that's right. All right, well, let's talk about what's going on in politics now. Uh, this has been a huge issue for the EB government. It is they're trying to do something for the forestry industry, and it doesn't always seem to be working out for them. Yeah, I mean, it's Labor Day, but uh, it's not a happy Labor Day in Crofton at one of the mills uh, or just in general in the forestry sector. I don't know if you remember back in January, but they had a big mill closure in Prince George and the EB government was trying to figure out how to tackle the forestry sector with 300 people laid off. They were under fire for not doing enough. And so they showed up in Crofton, to, which is this tiny little town uh, south of Nanaimo, to announce $18 million in taxpayer funds to help save 100 jobs. And, and it, I mean, it looked like a great announcement, but the unions behind both of uh, two unions behind those 100 jobs came out publicly last week and said, you know what? The money didn't really save our jobs. And we basically have only been in the mill working for a short period of time since January. We keep getting curtailed. The mill keeps staying. It can't start back up again. What is going on here? And so it turns out that the money that you and I and everyone else put in, partly provincial money, partly federal money, didn't actually save those jobs, despite the premier standing around a bunch of people at the time saying, hey, you know, it's going to be great to get these folks back to work. And 
the government putting out a press release saying 100 jobs uh, you know, will resume. Uh, the, the NDP now says, well, what we meant to say, and maybe it wasn't clear at the time, is that it will save 100 jobs when they finish retooling one of the mill lines at the end of 2024. So a couple years from now, maybe, you know, 2025. And so you, you, you kind of, what's interesting about it is that it's a little bit of an insight into the EB government and how fast it moves and how quickly it announces things, but how the details can get lost very easily and how messy sometimes it is. And in this case, we've all been talking about 100 jobs saved in Crofton and some moves by the EB government in forestry. And it turns out after the circus left town, uh, when the provincial government was there and the premier was there, there was still... No chops. And so that's kind of the insight that we're looking at right. uh, in this story. It's like the headline versus what's in the small print. It is. And the government's very good at correcting you if you get it wrong uh, when you're covering a story. But if you get it wrong in their favor, which is everybody covered this as government saves 100 jobs in Crofton, starts a new sort of forestry sector practice, um, government doesn't say anything. It just lets the fine print uh, roll by. And so I think it's kind of another example here of, of you know, the larger problems that exist in the forest sector. And if you're working in that sector on Labor Day, you know this well. There are mills curtailing everywhere. There's fiber shortages. There's challenges. There's uh, old growth protections. And the companies are asking the government to come to the table with money to help them survive and retool. And even when the government does, it doesn't guarantee that those jobs really are going to survive. And uh, it's a bit of a I'm not going to say a no-win situation for the EB government because uh, it does, I don't I don't think there's a very large forestry plan from this government that is very robust, but they're trying a little bit, right. and even that is not working out. Well, that's what I was going to ask you about, though. Haven't we? Hasn't haven't there been like hints about that for a while now that there is some bigger plan coming? The, well, the NDP, the current NDP government's forestry plan is an old growth protection plan. That, that's basically it. There's not really much of anything beyond, you know, saving old growth and working with indigenous communities to, you know, develop uh, forestry options with them. That That is the emphasis of government. You know, cutting down more trees or even cutting down trees at all is not really something that this government is is super keen on and you don't see it out there trying to to drum that up what they're trying to do is sort of make partnerships with indigenous communities and alter the sector in a way that it's creating different products with the very sort of limited wood that is left and that that seems to be the entire plan for the sector and the company you know this government's had a very contentious relationship with forestry companies it thinks in general that they're large they're greedy and that they are only out for themselves and not really worth partnering with. And John Horgan had that attitude uh, with some of them. And this government kind of has that attitude, but it doesn't do the industry any favors with stories like this, where they take a bunch of money and everyone right. thinks it's going to save jobs and it, it doesn't actually do it. All right. We're talking about uh, you know politics and this time of year. And of course, we're heading back to school this week, which is a huge issue for parents and for students, of course, and for teachers. But there's a lot that parents need to know here, Rob. And I guess we're really going to hear about this when report card time rolls around. Right. Report cards uh, and the contentious sort of decisions the government have made uh, this year about it uh, will really be felt by parents. If you were 
thinking that your child was going to come home with a report card with an A or a B or a C or those kind of letter grades, this is the year the government has changed that for grades, uh, you know, kindergarten to grade nine. You will not get those letter grades uh, for your child's report cards this year. You're going to get something different, emerging, developing, proficient, extending. Those are the terms that will replace the letter grades. Uh, this has been slowly kind of rolled out since some curriculum changes a few years ago. Half of the province uh, already has this. The entire province will have it this year. So you will only get letter grades if you are in grades uh, 10 to 12. And, you know, opinions vary about this move. But when government consulted with a, a bunch of the different uh, stakeholders in this uh, last year, actually a couple of years ago now, they got a pretty clear response from teachers, students and parents. There's more than 4,000 of them in a survey saying they didn't like this idea. They don't they don't like this move. They're not satisfied with the way government's doing it because it comes with uh, learning updates throughout the year, uh, a couple of which are in writing, which I guess are what report cards used to be. Uh, and those changes don't really reflect, uh, I think, what some people are hoping for uh, out of the system. And so the government said, thank you very much for your input. Uh, we're going to do it anyways. This, you know, being a government that used to consult over everything under the sun, um, do you want to go after ticket scalping? Yes or no? Let's do, you know, <laughs> a year of consultation on it. Right. But this year they do years. consultation, they just do it anyway. This has been years in the making, though. Sure. It has. It has. And, you know, educators say that it, you know, provides a, a clearer sort of path for students where it, it allows uh, a, a more contextual idea than just letter grades. And it's the evolution of the process. And critics say it encourages mediocrity. It's hard to tell where students are at or, or where they need improvement. Everything is kind of, you know, sort of sounds positive on paper. Uh, it, I guess it'll depend on on how you feel about it uh, when your, your child's report card or learning update arrives home. But uh, it's an interesting and, and major change parents will see this year. Right. Is this one thing you're going to be keeping an eye on? Because I feel like there's a lot here for high school students to process, especially since you're talking about how is this going to impact their admission to post-secondary, if that's what they want to do, and how are they going to measure that? And and I just feel like there's still so many questions about this. There are, and it's political too, because BC United is saying, this is stupid, uh, and we intend to reverse this, and we don't think that this is the way that, that you should go. Stick with the letter grades, which is an interesting stance, and I think may, in fact, you know, generate some some support, whether it, it's a big part of um, you know what they are saying this school year, or they're going to wait and see a little bit of, of what parents think of this, but there is a clear political divide on this as well, where it, it may become an issue that the government moved too quickly. You know, I don't know. It's hard. They've, they've been moving slowly, but they moved without full buy-in from people anyways. You can say that. And uh, they're going to have to see how it goes in, in the months ahead. Right. Because I know this is like a, a trend thing. This has been going on for years. Wasn't it the previous BC Liberal government that started this process? Yeah, so it started under twenty in twenty sixteen uh, as part of a curriculum modernization right. as a pilot project. So it spans the two governments. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to still wait and see what happens. Like you have a, a daughter in school, Rob. Like as a parent, how do you feel about that? Yeah, and she had been getting these emerging, developing, proficient, extending grades. I found it a little difficult to totally understand until you sort of. Try, I know that going to the 
uh, talking to other parents and and the student teacher uh, kind of meetings and uh, parent teacher meetings, some people tried to assign the letter grades to them. They're like, okay, well, emerging is really, you know, kind of a, like D and C and, you know, developing is the C and proficient is the B and extending is the A. doesn't really work like that. But I think for a lot of us who are raised in that system, we still try to shoehorn the letter grades into this. Uh, and uh, it's going to be an adjustment for a lot of parents. Grades 10, 11, and 12 still get the letter grades because they are looking for college admission, university admission, that post-secondary kind of grading system remains there. But for everybody else, we're going to have to get used to trying to understand what uh, developing and proficient means, um, and uh, maybe for better or for worse, depending on where you are uh, on this debate. Right. So the grade nine class this year is the one that it's going to be a huge transition because they would have had letter grades in grade eight. They're not going to have letter grades this year. And then they're going to have mm-hmm. letter grades again next year when they go to grade 10. Yeah, free year. Do whatever you want. I mean, that's basically... <laughs> no, don't. Oh, wait. Rob, don't. Wait. Do not do not tell grade nine students to do whatever they want. <laughs> <laughs> it will be an adjustment for them, for sure. And, you know, it, uh, parents, students themselves weren't even really happy with it in the government's consultation, although not many of them participated. But I think that the adjustment... Hmm. When you try to grade yourself, um, is is harder with this system too. It is going to be hard. I feel like this is the big one for us to keep an eye on uh, this upcoming school year. Rob, thank you for that. Okay, take care. You too. That is Rob Shaw, political correspondent for Czech News.